I'm Dave McIver, guest hosting for Jock Wilson, and this is Football North. You feel that? It's that time again. Days are getting shorter. Weather is getting cooler. But around here? Oh, we're just starting to heat up. This is the weekend that every team, every player, and every fan has circled on the calendar. This is when heated rivals throw gas on the fire and where one play, good or bad, can live forever. Win or lose, not this week. Losing is not an option. That's right, it's Labor Day, the best part of the summer. OK Tire Labor Day weekend. The Labor Day Classic began in 1949. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat the Winnipeg Blue Mommers 20-9. The Calgary Stampeders beat the Edmonton Elks 20-6. The Hamilton Tiger Cats and Toronto Argonauts would kick off their Labor Day Classic in 1950, with the Tie Cats beating the Boatmen 13-6. It's a tradition that is over 70 years old. It's a game the players know the significance of when they arrive in the league. Ooh, Labor Day is like, um... It's as close to a playoff experience as you'll get in the regular season. And I mean, it's nothing that you can dream of, even get ready for. There's something about that game that just you shiver when you get on. You have to come and experience it, and you can feel it from the time you're warming up. You can see the tailgate in the parking lot. And that's the game you want to just show who you are as a football player. These two cities don't like each other. That's a clip from the CFL's Instagram on the upcoming documentary series on TSN called Rivalries, the QEW series. And the Labor Day Classic is also a game where you can create the momentum you need heading down the stretch and into the playoffs. Stampeders head coach Dave Dickinson. I do, actually. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that as long as you're not buried, as long as you're basically not at the bottom, uh, you got a great opportunity from Labor Day on to create momentum, um, to get some big victories. You're always playing your league opponents. And I think you really do create that momentum going into playoffs. I think the team that comes into playoffs usually on a roll uh, has the best opportunity to win. I'd love to get home field. Uh, We're going to have to work extremely hard to do that. Uh, But I think our team understands that it starts in Labor Day. And it's not the end all, but it certainly can help if, if you get that momentum going. The Labor Day weekend is always marked on even the most casual of CFL fans' calendars. And I'm sure we're heading into another exciting weekend. Saying that, let's get into the Football North Roundtable as we make our way to Labor Day. Morley Scott is the play-by-play man for the Edmonton Elks at 6.30 Chet in Edmonton. Kelly Moore is the sports director at 6.80 CJOB in Winnipeg. Both will have their eyes on what we hope to be a bunch of great, entertaining games this weekend. How we doing, fellas? Good, thanks, Dave. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Kelly? Dave, it's September the 1st. I can only tell you that uh, now, now moving into September, uh, that uh, fall is in the air, even though it's plus 30 degrees here in Winnipeg today. <laughs> Do I sound too forlorn that summer is is on the back nine? You're bumming me out, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Labor Day weekend, and everybody's getting stoked for it, so That's all better. good. 
Yeah, I always look forward to this weekend, fellas. It's such a great tradition. And uh, I know over the course of the years of this tradition, dating back, you know, to the late 40s, the teams have played a different team on uh, different teams on Labor Days from from time to time. But for the most part, we have our three main matchups, Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg and Hamilton and Toronto. Uh, Let's talk about the the tradition, my friends, Uh, the Labor Day Classic. uh, Great tradition. When you think of the tradition of the Labor Day Classic, what, what comes to mind? Kelly, let's start with you. Well, obviously, uh, working in the Winnipeg market, uh, it has to be the LDC, uh, whether it was at Taylor Field or now at uh, uh, Mosaic Stadium. You know, it, it's one of those games, and I think Doug Brown, the CFL Hall of Famer, put it best. It's a circus. And, uh, and and it's only been amped up uh, since the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Saskatchewan Roughriders have returned to prominence. There was a lot of years, guys. I can remember, you know, Saskatchewan would go into the game with a two and seven record, and the Bombers would be one and eight, or you know, somewhere around there. And that was their season, uh, right there. It's a little bit different now. Uh, but uh, you know that and so that's resulted in more Winnipeg fans making that five and a half to six hour trip out to Regina. Uh, the Blue Bombers having to make sure uh, that not even Donald Trump can get his hands on the hotel where they are staying in, whether it's Regina or Moose Jaw. It's just, it's I guess it's as close as we would come to the CFL version. Of a, of a big U.S. college bowl game. Uh, it, it is that same kind of atmosphere and that same kind of passion among the fans. And I think that's why we look forward to it so much. Orly? I remember uh, most, uh, to, to maybe to put, the, put it in perspective about how it's treated, uh, 2010 was my first Labor Day game that I was broadcasting. And before the game, uh, leading up to it, I went to T.J. Hill, a linebacker uh, with Edmonton at the time, and I said, uh, give me your thoughts as, as succinctly as you can about Labor Day. And he said, we hate them and they hate us. And that's pretty much where it ended. It, it seems whenever Calgary plays Edmonton outside of Labor Day week, they don't hate each other as much. But during Labor Day week, they really hate each other. The fans get excited for it. I think that excites the players. Uh, the coaches try to say, hey, it's just another game. It's just the same game. Let's do the game plan. They try to tone it down a little bit. But the players get excited, and I think the fans obviously really get excited. And we have the same thing with fans going down to Calgary for that game. And since they moved the rematch game from Friday night to Saturday afternoon or this year Saturday evening with a 6 o'clock start, we see more Calgary people coming up for the game in Edmonton for the second half of it. So that's that's kind of my memories. I, I The one thing that I know and I I remember this from watching this game on TV for many many years and then broadcasting it it's always sunny on Labor Day in Calgary it just seems to me there's always uh, some great sunshine uh, and that looks like it's going to be the case again this year right now as we look into the long-range forecast for Monday it's a 27 degrees and sunny so it's going to be the same kind of thing a little hotter than normal but going to be the same kind of sunny skies that I always remember for Labor Day in Calgary. Yeah, I can remember, uh, well, when it comes to tradition, it's it's always been about family for me, and our family has always enjoyed to getting together and watching this game. Uh, my parents uh, used to have uh, Molson tickets. My dad worked for, for Molson Breweries, and when they were the sponsor of the of the Stamps, we, we would get to go, uh, well, they would get to go to the games for the most part until I was at least eight years old. But it was always family getting together, and to your point, Kelly, it reminds me of a, a college bowl game or, or a Thanksgiving Day game in the NFL. It's just so much yeah. tradition behind it. it 
it's so much fun to, to watch. And and uh, you guys actually touched on a couple of points that we'll get to in this episode in terms of, um, you know, streaks and, and, and games where it, it just means so much. Now, did you guys get to go to any games growing up, watching them on TV? Are there any memories, specific Labor Day memories you have when it comes to the games? And, and I'm not talking so much specific matchups, just, just memories you have from maybe your younger years when it comes to Labor Day. Uh, Morley, let's start with you. I got a, I got a few. I remember when I was a kid and I, I spent part of my years growing up in Toronto and uh, with my with my friend and his family. Uh, we were Argo fans, and I remember going to Hamilton a couple of times for games. I think one of them was on a Labor Day game, and I think what I remember mostly is the fact that uh, it was a little more intense, and we didn't have as much fun going to those games because we didn't get treated as nice, and everyone wasn't as happy to see us as Argo fans at those games. So I, I think I think like I said earlier, there's a big difference in in the fan base and the way they approach the football game for sure. But for me, most of my memories uh, until I started broadcasting the games back in 2010 are, are just watching them on TV. Now that I started to do the games, I really miss out on the Sunday game because we spend most of Sunday afternoon at uh, McMahon stadium. Uh, after uh, the Stampeders would uh, have their walkthrough, we'd wait for uh, Edmonton to arrive at the stadium and do our interviews with the, with the Edmonton players and coaches. So we would, there's a little TV in the media room that we used to watch the game on. And that was it. And, and we'd always try to get everything done in a hurry so we could get back to the hotel and maybe see the finish of the game between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. So more more than anything, I kind of miss watching that game. Uh, the, the rematch is a little different because it's you know it's uh, it's it's the same weekend and and we're doing home games. So we got a TV in the booth that we can watch leading up to the game, uh, everything. But uh, I think all all three games are going to be on the same day, right on Saturday uh, or four. Is there is there four games coming up on the Saturday in the rematch day? So I know Toronto and Hamilton aren't doing a rematch. They played each other enough, I guess, this year. <laughs> already with four times in five weeks now but um but to me it's just trying to make time to find uh, to find the time to to watch as much of the other games as you can while you're preparing to do your own games kelly yeah well i grew up in bc so you know labor day in the cfl uh out on the, the left for coast. the bc lions eh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's bye week so <laughs> and and usually where the lions were in the standings it was bye bye week to the season but anyway that's another story uh so labor day didn't really have a great deal of meaning uh you know from my perspective as a kid or even as a young journalist uh you know starting out in Kamloops. uh but boy i'll tell you when i arrived in winnipeg in the mid 90s did i ever get indoctrinated and in a hurry uh I, I didn't go out to Regina because, I mean, Bob Irving, uh, our play-by-play guy, uh, had it covered like a blanket. There was no need to, to uh, be going out there. And, and usually I was on the sports desk uh, uh, the next morning anyway, back when we uh, would uh, have to work on Labor Day Mondays. But I guess the closest thing that I would have to that now, as far as in the flesh, guys, uh, is since the advent of the Banjo Bowl, uh, because it's not just rematch Saturday uh, here in Winnipeg. The Banjo Bowl has become, uh, here in the Manitoba capital, what the Labor Day Classic is in Regina. And we actually even have one thing over uh, the, uh, the Melonheads, their game has never been almost delayed by a stray moose. Like in 2017, uh, when they had to block off all the entrances into IG Field because this two- or three-year-old moose had decided to wander on to the Fort Geary campus at the U of M uh, just before the Banjo Bowl. So, uh, you know, 
you, you th- if the game sold out, the stands are only half full. What's going on here? I mean, we've heard of late arriving crowds before, but this is a little ridiculous. And then, of course, you know, the uh, the news started to break out about the uh, the moose. They finally were able to open the uh, entrances, and uh, people actually, if memory serves me correct, it was a great return by Mo Leggett that a lot of the crowd didn't see in that 48-28 game uh, won by Winnipeg uh, because of the moose. And we still think somehow that moose came from Regina. <laughs> I, I remember it, on the Calgary Edmonton side of things, Kelly, we had the, if, if you go, if you Google it on, on YouTube, uh, you, you can find it. The CFL rabbit made its uh, debut yes. uh, at, <laughs> yes. at McMahon yes. stadium. And I remember it so vividly because Kendall Lawrence was back to receive a punt and the rabbit was like four or five yards to his left. Kendall caught the ball. He went right. The rabbit went left. Kendall got tackled about 10 <laughs> yards later, but the rabbit all the way to the end zone and, it was unbelievable because as the rabbit ran across the goal line, he leapt into the air and did a somersault in the air. It's like he knew he'd scored a touchdown. Uh, and then he kind of then he kind of ran back and uh, went up by the Edmonton bench and a couple of players tried to scare him off the field and everything. That's that's one great memory I have from uh, from the Labor Day games. I don't have a lot of good memories from Labor Day games because in my time doing them, I'm uh, two and nine in games played. So uh, my first Labor Day game, the Stampeders put up a 50 spot on Edmonton that week. So uh, uh, Labor Day games uh, and, and excitement and fun have been few and far between. So it's nice Edmonton's going in as uh, uh, with looking for a two game uh, two game win streak in Labor Day, which is something they haven't had for a long, long time. Yeah, you have if to I could ju- oh, go ahead. I'm just going to jump in real quick, Dave. On the on the opposite end of things, kind of akin to what Morley was talking about. Um, uh, I was here in Winnipeg from '94 through 2006. Then came back uh, with the return of the Jets in in 2011. Uh, so one of the one of the Labor Day unclassics I remember. Uh, it's the the Labor Day Classic fell the Sunday after Paul Lapolice had been let go by the <sighs> Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So it's Tim Burke's first game as head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, I guess the interim head coach after being elevated uh, from being a coordinator. <laughs> the score that day was fifty to nothing for Regina. <laughs> mm. Ouch! I, I Ouch. remember you talk about. Uh, you talk about the coach having his first game there. It was many years ago. Edmonton fired their coach between games, right? I think it was Pete Catella, and they brought Jackie Parker in. <laughs> and I remember Blake Dermott tells the story so well. He talks about the fact that they're in the dressing room, and Jackie Parker, you know, he was so laid back and casual. His pregame speech was, well, last week we played Calgary and lost, and the coach got fired. This week, we're playing Calgary again, so let's try not to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad talk about Newt Rockney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff, fella. Mine's kind of a, an unceremonious one as well. Uh, I hadn't been to the Labor Day uh, Classic in a while. We decided to go in 2011 uh, to McMahon. It was a beautiful day. It must have been 35, uh, 35 degrees outside. You know, it was shirts off for most of the guys in the stands, and the uh, the Edmonton team just came in and absolutely dominated the stamps 35 to 7 and it was just the biggest letdown in the McMahon crowd that had been you know waiting all year because you know the story in Calgary and I'm sure it's the same in your markets even if the season isn't going well you can salvage a little bit of the fan base when you win on Labor Day yeah Yeah, that's that's the goal right yeah yeah 
that's the goal. If, you know, you can go you can go one and seventeen, but if the one is on Labor Day, there's a little bit of softness to it. And goes, okay, well, at least you won on Labor Day, right? So yeah. uh, that's part of it. But I that that game you're talking about, the Stampeders scored first, took a seven nothing lead, right? And then yep. uh, Edmonton came back and scored thirty five straight. That's that's the one where they had the trick play on the uh, on the punt return as well, as I recall, with uh, uh, Darius Bowman getting a pass across the field to him and then running it upfield. So yeah, there's uh, it's one of the two wins I've seen. Um, by Edmonton on Labor Day, so well, if you know, it, if I it, remember it well. If it makes you feel any better, Morley, uh, I've done one uh, Labor Day game on the sidelines, and that was last year, and it didn't go well for the Stamps. So uh, something's going to break this year, my friend. Yeah, I enjoyed it last year. <laughs> oh, I bet you did. I bet you did. Uh, well, moving on here, guys. Um, one thing that has stuck to me over the years, and we've kind of touched on it in a little bit, is the winning streaks. Like, you look at the Stamps. They went from 2012 up until 2019 with a winning streak. Um, you look back in the Argos and Ticats battle. The, the Ticats are on a, a streak right now that date back to 2014. They haven't lost since then. The Bombers and the Riders, where the Riders won from 2005 until 2015. Uh, is that a weird coincidence you know, is one team, one organization getting up more for these games? Like, what do you think's going into these streaks? It, you know, it's supposed to be a classic. Well, it, 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 and it's home field, too, though. You yes. Know? I mean, there's the common denominator. You know, the, the riders are tough to beat at home at the best of times. Uh, then when you get it cranked up to uh, circus level, <laughs> to quote Doug Brown, uh, they become even more difficult. So I, I can remember in 2011, the Bombers were 7-1. and one. I think the Riders were 2-7 and seven or 1-7 or going into that game. Uh, and, and Winnipeg was supposed to mop the floor. And, and Saskatchewan just absolutely drilled them. Uh, so, you know, though the, the home field uh, winning streaks, I think, are somewhat expected, although, as you mentioned, Dave, you know, that was an awful long run of success uh, that the Riders had over uh, the Blue Bombers before Justin Medlock finally uh, booted that game-winning field goal in, in the 2016 game. Uh, but I, I really do believe a lot of it has to do, A, with home field advantage, but uh, also, uh, let's just say, A1 uh, A and A2, uh, the environment in which the games are played. Mm. I'm I'm surprised actually that that it has been so lopsided at times and those streaks had gone so long because there's so much focus put on it and there's so much excitement for the game and I think that uh, you would think that the visiting team if you got a chance to to produce something and, and a better game it would be on that day but for whatever the reason it just doesn't happen I know uh, the Elks uh, over the years they, they've been uh, I've had players say you know what it's, it was a two thirty start if it started at one thirty we'd have been okay because we we're pretty geeked up and ready to go in the pregame warm up and then by the time the game comes around they just don't have anything left so it, it's an exciting environment it's a great environment and and I'm quite frankly surprised that the home teams have dominated over the last probably 20 years as much as they have well that that brings a, it's a great segue into our, our next topic fellas because the Labor Day venue is always in the same spot always in McMahon always in Regina always in Hamilton you guys are, are in two markets that don't get that original game uh, the Labor Day classic game you get the banjo bull Kelly and we call it the Labor Day rematch in Alberta and Morley the Elks get that one is that something you would like to see change like a rotate it year to year do you think the fans would like to maybe see it turn to a rotation or is it so well steeped in tradition that it should stay the way it is uh, Morley go ahead I- I don't want to see a change. I like it the way it is. I, I think it, it's. I'm a traditionalist, and and I really like the fact that every Labor Day 
it's in Calgary, uh, it's in Hamilton, it's in Saskatchewan. And I think it's it's been a great tradition. And, and I don't think they really need to mess with it a little bit. I, I, I think the change they made, what, I guess, 10 or eight years ago here was to move the game from Friday, the rematch game from Friday to Saturday. And I think that gave the teams a little bit more time to prepare and recover. And and that made it usually a better game on the Saturday. And I didn't mind that change because it also worked out better. As I said earlier, more Calgary people could come up to Edmonton for the game. But yeah, I think, I think, I think it's pretty sacred to have those games where they're played in Regina, in Calgary, and and in Hamilton. I know when Hamilton was having their uh, stadium issues a few years back, and they they didn't play the game mm-hmm. uh, because they couldn't. Uh, the the Argos said, "Well, we could play it at our place." And I guess the Tiger Cats said, "That will not be happening. <laughs> we won't play, uh, but we, we we won't play the game. We won't play the game here. But we're certainly not going to play the game there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the teams. Uh, I think the teams take ownership of that game, right? And I think it's yeah, a big part of, of yeah. who they are moving forward. Uh, it's a, it's a big part part of the marketing. And Dave, uh, I don't often agree with Morley, so when I do, <laughs> but uh, but on on this case, uh, I uh, my my esteemed colleague is bang on. Uh, I I don't think you mess with something that has been as successful uh, for for the Canadian Football League. Uh, you know, it is in the markets in particular, but in general, I think it is a weekend that CFL fans very much look forward to. Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting, be, you know, Winnipeg with the advent of the, the Banjo Bowl, of course, created by some off the cuff remarks by Troy Westwood and then David Asper, the uh, chairman of the board at the time, uh, really used his ingenuity to build it into something. And it's kind of interesting, Morley, you know, where Edmonton has pushed back the, uh, the game by one day uh, for the rematch in Winnipeg, uh, they actually played uh, the Banjo Bowl the following Sunday, but then I think it was in 2015, if memory serves me correct, they moved it up to the Saturday, and and that also worked well for Saskatchewan fans coming in uh, uh, to make that trip uh, to have the extra day to get back. So uh, it, it's worked out very, very well. I think uh, this is the 17th consecutive sellout uh, for the Banjo Bowl in Winnipeg. So, uh, like I say, it has become as big a game here in Winnipeg as the Labor Day Classic has been in Regina. And I don't think either team would want to mess with that. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, guys. I'm with you as well. I think the way that it is set up, the way that it has its tradition of being in the same stadium every game, it adds to the aura of the weekend itself. It really adds to, uh, you know, Stamps fans and and Elks fans and and Bombers fans and Riders fans and Tie Cats and Argos fans. They know where they got to be if they want to be at that game on Labor Day Monday, and it is and, and Labor Day Sunday as well. It is something that we can't change because why why change something that that yeah. isn't broken right so uh i agree with you you both there um you know and if i could jump in dave yeah, like, go ahead. do we even do we even talk about montreal and in ottawa because you know they they tend to change the venue for that game a little bit it doesn't have the same type of sizzle maybe because it's the game that kind of leads things off uh on a friday uh, traditionally and and of course uh you know when ottawa wasn't in the league that kind of uh, upset the apple cart there as well uh but i I think you know you can use uh ottawa montreal as as kind of a uh a litmus test if you will uh when they've alternated the venues to a certain degree and it's kind of okay you know they're playing on labor day weekend because they're geographically uh located 
but it doesn't have the same type of buzz. It doesn't have the same type of anticipation that the other three uh, traditional matchups do. I think that's partly because Ottawa hasn't had a team and Montreal hasn't had a team for a lot of Labor Days, uh, right? Over, yes. over the last, yeah. you know, 30 years, you know, the, and, you know, one year it's the Concords and the Rough Riders, then it's the Renegades and, and the Alouette, <laughs> right? I mean, it just, it just changed yeah. every year. And I don't even think they, they don't even market that as a Labor Day game, right? They don't even no. talk about it as being Labor Day weekend or anything like that. It's just, it's just another game on the schedule. My beef is, and I think I'm going to start a campaign for this, is that the Winnipeg-Saskatchewan game needs to be changed to the day before Labor Day classic because they always call it the labor day classic <laughs> but it's never on labor day uh that day is taken in hamilton and in calgary but somehow in regina they call it the labor day classic when it's the day before labor day that, now things are back to i feel normal you are so full of hot air <laughs> i can't believe that i'm even on the same podcast as you <laughs> you guys are right though like you, you look at the game they're going to play and they're going to play it tomorrow so there's a day gap in between, you know, the Montreal Alouettes and uh, Ottawa Red Blacks game before the Sunday game between Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. So it's almost like the league has gone, well, you guys play that game on Friday and we'll deal with the rest of the stuff on Sunday and Monday. Um, and, and as you say, they, they don't even do it every year. They, they, they did play last year, but they didn't play against each other in 2019. They played in 2018. They played in 2017, 2016. But then they didn't play in 2015, played in 2014, and before that, uh, of course, with uh, Ottawa not being really around, uh, they didn't play uh, in, in, since 2005. So there's another nine-year gap there. So yeah. uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's uh, it's one of those things that, okay, you guys play that game. We need to have that game on the schedule so we don't have to go a week longer in the year, uh, and then we'll get to the, to the good stuff the rest of the week. And uh, so, I, Sorry, Montreal. I think Ottawa. it'll be good. Moving forward, I think it'll Labor Day weekend will be better when they finally get that team in the Maritimes, right? Because then yes. it can be it can be the coast to coast game between BC and and uh, wherever Halifax or wherever that team's going to be, and then Ottawa and Montreal, and then they can market the whole weekend with every team involved in it. And I think I think it might change at that point, and uh, other than just those three rivalry games uh, for sure, I think the other teams will be more involved in it at that point. But you know, we've been hearing about that team in the East for many many years, and it still hasn't <laughs> happened, right? I was a young man when that started. <laughs> I was a young man when that continued. <laughs> uh, let's, I'm old. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's get into uh, some great matchups because this is called the Labor Day Classic for a reason. And while we might not have had some games that were particularly close, we've had some breakout stars. We've had uh, some classics, uh, as I do say. And, and we've just had some, some great games that have come down the wire that affected standings the rest of the year, effective playoff, affected playoff matches. Uh, Kelly, take us away. What are some of your favorite past Labor Day matchups? Well, I, I, I didn't, I don't even know if I watched this one, but I, uh, uh, all things Labor Day classic, I always defer uh, to legendary Winnipeg Blue Bomber punter Bob Cameron, who uh, I probably played in more Labor Day classics than any uh, player ever has. And, uh, he always talks about, I'm trying to remember the exact date, uh, but uh, the, the, the Blue Bombers were winning the game, and then uh, the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders regular field goal kicker, uh, I think it was either Dave Ridgway or Paul McCallum had been injured. And so Ken Miller, the punter, had to come in and kick a game-winning field goal in the dying seconds. And earlier in the week, one of his parents had passed away. 
so for Ken Miller to be able to uh, pull off that, uh, probably that would go down as one of, if not the greatest Saskatchewan Rough Rider victory uh, in the Labor Day Classic. And then uh, I've got to say, you know, at least from my perspective, in uh, uh, since I've been uh, working in the Winnipeg market in, in 1994, uh, it had to be the end of that long drought, Dave, that you made reference to uh, when Justin Medlock was able to split the uprights for a 28-25 win. Here they come, Medlock for the win on Labor Day, and the 11-game losing streak for Winnipeg is over. Uh, in. Uh, uh, the new Mosaic Stadium. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, certainly, uh, or no, maybe that would have been the year before they moved over to Mosaic. Uh, but still, the fact that Winnipeggers were finally able to come home, make that long trip uh, along the Trans-Canada Highway, uh, uh, paying homage to uh, uh, the late, great Cactus Wells and being uh, all happy honkers, I think uh, that those are the two that kind of stand out uh, in my mind as far as, uh, you know, people that uh, that really delivered in the clutch. And, you know, Doug Brown would say they're only field goal kickers. But, man, oh, man, on those days, <laughs> those two games in particular, they were more than that. <laughs> uh, Morley, what do you think? Any uh, any big matchups you remember? Uh, you uh, the, the one that I remember uh, and, I, and I think gets talked about around here most is I think it was 2003 when they had the brawl and uh, Ricky Ray was taken heavily into the, into the tables at the bench and, and then everybody was on the field milling about and uh, it was just it was just everybody was there it was the game. I think Ed Hervey got kicked out of that game for throwing a helmet and it was one of those things where everybody was just starting to peel apart and then somebody would say something to somebody and everybody would start pushing and shoving again and it just seemed to go on and on and on uh i think it was 2003 and then ed hervey ends up getting uh, disqualified from the game and he's got to make that long walk uh to the dressing room down down the sidelines at the command stadium i i that that's the one i think that people talk about most around here uh they talk about last year a little bit too because uh it, it ended uh, a long slide uh, 2011 was a long time ago uh and they were able finally able to uh to win the game last year and it's kind of funny when you look back over the over the years uh, you know Mike Riley was uh, Michael Riley was you know one of the greatest quarterbacks to play in, in with this franchise but in his time in Edmonton never won a Labor Day game uh, and and uh, then Trevor Harris comes in and in his first year in 2021 he walks into Calgary and and leads uh, leads the Elks to a win in, in the Labor Day game uh, last year uh, it was funny though last year was you know you always talk about the turning point right last year was the turning point for Edmonton in the season uh, but the wrong way I mean they won that game they were uh, they were coming off their their COVID vacation when when they had to shut down for a week and a half due to COVID they won that game it was their second win in a row they got their record back to two and two uh, Trevor Harris was leading the league in passing at that time and then flash forward three weeks later and he's injured and traded and Edmonton never won a game until their second last game of the season in November in in Toronto so it was kind of funny you usually think the position you're in they were going to you know maybe maybe kind of take off at that point and instead it just absolutely spiraled out of control and became one of the worst seasons in Edmonton history after winning the Labor Day Classic.
Yeah, that was weird because it was kind of the turning point in the Calgary Stampeders season last year. They lost that game and then came back and won the Labor Day rematch and kind of took off from there and were able to work their way into the playoffs. So uh, that was certainly a turning point. I have a couple uh, guys, uh, obviously 1995. That was the first Labor Day I ever attended in person, and it was Jeff Garcia's coming out party. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. unbelievable. It's a first down now at the 14. And Garcia at the point receivers Daniels the lone running back shotgun in zone touchdown Alabits. for the Calgary Stampeders in that game six touchdown passes he threw for 546 yards uh, Alan Pitts always a favorite of mine growing up as a kid he had three receiving touchdowns and uh, the Stamps were just uh, able to go on and absolutely uh, dominate the uh, the Edmonton uh, Eskimos back uh, when they were called that uh, 51-26 in that game and that really got uh, you know Stamps fans going for you know Doug Flutie dressed in that game and uh, you know didn't get the start obviously and uh, Def Garcia had his coming out party it was fantastic Morley you bring uh, one up as well uh, when it, we talk about Michael Riley and that brings me back to the 2013 game where the Stamps won 37-34 but Riley came out and almost brought them back. They were down yeah. 30 to 7 entering the fourth quarter in that game and uh, Riley was unbelievable in the fourth quarter especially with his legs and uh, they were able to get it all the way down um when almost a race that deficit uh, unfortunately for for uh, for Edmonton in that game it was the Stamps forcing an incompletion on third down with with uh, I think less than 30 second uh, remaining yeah. to to stifle that comeback. So that was a big one and I'm going to go deep here I, guys and don't get Go ahead, Morley, before I go to my next one. I was going to say, I also remember the heartbreak of, I believe it was 2012 in the series, uh, two really close games, and Grant Shaw had an opportunity with field goals at at the end of both games in Calgary. I think it was just wide because of the wind, and then uh, the the following game in Edmonton in the rematch game, same situation. He had uh, had a chance to win the game on a field goal, and he hit the upright. And uh, I mean, uh, that was just, and, and as I recall, going into that game, uh, the Elks uh, and, and the Stampeders were pretty even in the standings, maybe with the same record. And then uh, Calgary won those two games and went on a long winning streak and Edmonton went on a long losing streak after that. And it really did turn the season around for both clubs. Yeah, that one was was certainly a, a, a crazy one as well, more than I can remember that well, those missed field goals. Um, now, don't get on me too much here because one game I do remember, and I was, you know, if only 15 years old at this time, so I'm watching at home with the family, and this was a game that ended in as a, as a tie, and it was it was Toronto and Hamilton, and the game ended 30-30. to They went to overtime. It was 20-20, and both teams ended up scoring 10 points in the extra frame of action, and I remember watching that game, and all of a sudden, you know, the buzzer goes, and it's 30-30, to and... I felt robbed that we didn't get to see a winner in that game. So I know it was a tie, but uh, it was an excellent game. Kerry Joseph was playing quarterback uh, for uh, the Argos, I believe, back then. I might have that mistake, and I might be thinking of uh, the 2008 game. I actually think I'm thinking of the 2008 game. But, um, yeah, that was a a wild one and and just ending in a tie. And I'm like, this is Labor Day. This is supposed to be a classic, and we're getting a tie. And, uh, yeah, that's the way it worked out that year. But I thought that was an excellent matchup as well. Um, you know, ahead. guys, the, the, I was just going to say what makes Edmonton and Calgary so unique, though, among these three uh, traditional matchups. I mean, Hamilton and Saskatchewan, you know, have huge leads. 
uh, you know, the, the tie notwithstanding, it's 36-13 for Saskatchewan over Toronto on Labor Day. Uh, and, and it's 37-19 to in favor of Saskatchewan uh, going into the 2022 games. But, you know, who knows, Dave? Uh, maybe if there hadn't been that tie between Calgary and Edmonton, you know, this, this could be dead even. Uh, going into the 2022 game because uh, I didn't realize it. I just checked it now. 30 to 29 with a tie. Yeah. So I, I I think that's what makes the uh, the Battle of Alberta Labor Day uh, matchup uh, even more compelling uh, is how closely matched these teams have been over the years. Morley closely matched, but it seems that uh, that all the Edmonton wins came in the seventies and eighties, and all the Saint <laughs> Peter's wins yeah. have come in the nineties and the two thousands, right? Yeah, but you look at the scores, Morley, and every time Edmonton wins, they dominate pretty much at least yeah. the last uh, three or four of them, or yeah. last last four out of five. Like you look last year, thirty two to twenty, uh, two thousand eleven, thirty five to seven, uh, you know, back in two thousand eight, thirty seven sixteen, twenty five seven in two thousand four. It is one of the interesting thing that that does happen in these games is it's so kind of not late in the season but you're later in your season and teams have kind of got themselves figured out at least where they are for the most part in recent years that I can remember and there does seem to be some pretty lopsided scores yeah it is it's funny like you're right Edmonton wins a lot of times have been pretty dominant but it's gone dominant the other way around too yeah. a lot of times so it's <laughs> it's 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 a strange thing and I guess that's the one thing we can count on is that we don't know what's going to happen right I mean even even when Calgary has a much better record than Edmonton this year you can't say for sure it's it's going to be a Calgary dominant win because strange things happen on Labor Day absolutely if now, I know we talked about uh, changing dates um, or changing venues. Um, is there anything that you would change uh, about the Labor Day Classic weekend, uh, you know, the way it's, the way it's presented in, in different markets? Or, uh, like I said earlier, are we, are we at a point where why fix uh, something that isn't broken, Kelly? Yeah, I you just stole the words right out of my mouth, Dave. Uh, you know, I talked about the uh, string of consecutive sellouts here in Winnipeg. It's pretty much the same thing at Mosaic. I'm guessing uh, that that uh, holds true as far as the Calgary-Edmonton matchups and, and Toronto and Hamilton as well. So if it's working, you know, there are some times when you have to address problems. And the Lord knows, uh, you know, the CFL has, has certainly had more than its fair share over the last few uh, years and, and even beyond uh, to, to work on. And thank goodness uh, there's the quality of people uh, involved in this league that they're not afraid of a good challenge. But I think that's what also makes Labor Day weekend uh, what it is from both a fan and from uh, the uh, the people working in the league perspective. It's it's such a positive feeling going into these three matchups uh, because, you know, the atmosphere in all three venues is going to be fantastic uh, because of sold-out crowds. And on the field, while sometimes the games do get away, uh, there is never, ever a lessening of the passion and, should I say, hatred that can develop between <laughs> the, the parties involved. So, yeah, just, you know, this, this is one area where the Canadian Football League, uh, I would just say, would just uh, be wise to just keep on keeping on. Morley, you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I, w- I wish I could change for this year is I will admit I got uh, a little jealous when I saw the news releases come out from from both the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, last week that their games were sold out. If that's the one thing I could change, it would be attendance. I know Edmonton's had issues yeah. this year and they're averaging, you know, in the low about around 22,000 a game. And I know Calgary is it the same or, or maybe a little bit less. So I would like to see uh, more butts in the seats for these two games because the atmosphere is going to be good no matter what. And I'm I'm, I'm grateful that the, the 20 plus thousand are going to be out at both stadiums, but I wish it was more. And you go back to the old days when, you know, the stadiums were just packed for both games. And, and I go back to, it was one of the first times that uh, they played the rematch game. And it was, uh, I, I think the first time that Edmonton did the, the back to school voucher where kids went mm. back to school and they got a voucher for a free ticket if they came with an adult. And uh, I, it was just a fantastic experience. I remember, talking to Hugh Campbell after the game in the dressing room. And, you know, he's the the general manager and president, I believe, at the time. And they ran out of tickets. And he said, I'm just standing at the door and I'm taking $20 from people, stuff it in my pocket and say, go find a seat somewhere and enjoy the game. Right. And, and he said it was just such an it was just such an incredible experience. The crowd was just unbelievable that day. And it's 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 sad to think that moving forward, we're going to have a crowd if it's average uh, for Edmonton this year around, you know, 21, 22,000 which is uh, which is just not enough I mean there, there should be more in the stands and granted I know the Elks haven't won a home game for a long long time and they haven't given their home fans a lot of hope in the last year and a half or so but uh, it, it's a great day and it's a great tradition and I just hope uh, that the crowd is going to be uh, better than we've seen so far this year in both Edmonton and Calgary yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. The on-field product. One thing I do like that the Calgary Stampeders do is they do have uh, a specific Labor Day jersey. It's new every year. I like that to appeal to the younger crowd. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it around the league where maybe uh, the home team you know does it one year, the away team does it another year, where you can go with kind of those throwbacks or even something new like the Stamps do with their black jersey. Uh, I think that is one thing that maybe could get incorporated, but it's not going to change. I don't think too much in terms of you know what's going to happen on the field what's going to happen off and 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 to your point morally the attendance um i, I don't think people are are, are buying or, or or getting rid of that ticket based on a jersey uh, i just think it's something more for for maybe the younger fans that they can get into and it, it kind of pops up once a year and maybe they can complain to mom or dad hey i want to go see them in that jersey because we know uh, the younger guys can uh, can get into that the kids and stuff can get into the jersey so i do like that part of it uh, that the calgary stampeders do with uh, with their black jerseys on Labor Day. It's certainly something that we look forward to in this city every year when it comes to, uh, you know, something new around the Labor Day Classic every year. Yeah, it is an interesting tradition. Uh, they're going to run out of ideas sooner or later, but it is an interesting tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can only go so far with those black jerseys and all yeah. the different things. Well, you know what horse they, and you, it's a black jersey, right? Yeah, when, when, when Edmonton scores a touchdown, a black horse runs down the sidelines. <laughs> Uh, I thank you so much for coming. I know we're going to have a great day, uh, a great weekend of football. It's going to be uh, a ton of fun. I, I know it's always going to be entertaining. I know the crowds are going to be into it. And Morley, uh, I am hearing, at least from a few people, that it should be uh, the biggest crowd of the year at McMahon this year. So I'm hoping for at least 25,000-plus to get that atmosphere going on what is supposed to be a beautiful day. So thanks, fellas, for, for joining me today. Enjoy the games, everybody. Always a pleasure. All right, that does it for another episode of Football North. Thanks so much for downloading this installment. We would love your feedback. And if you have an idea, you can email Jock Wilson at jock at am770chqr.com.